Friends, shall we again turn to our Lord in prayer? Gracious and loving God, as we have heard your word, help us to hear your word. Guide us in our understanding and in our knowing. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen. So this is the one Sunday of the year that you will see red vestments, red pyramids up at the front of the sanctuary. And that's because today is the day that we celebrate the, the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit came into the lives of the disciples, into the life of the early church. It's the day that we celebrate the fire of the Holy Spirit in the church. Hence the reason for the color red to symbolize fire of the Holy Spirit. As we celebrate the day of Pentecost, we remember that first Pentecost, the day when all the disciples were gathered in the upper room. When we talk about the disciples in the upper room before the Holy Spirit came into that room like a rush of wind, we talk about what they were doing in there. And we are reminded that they were afraid. They were afraid. The disciples were afraid. One of the reasons why they were afraid is because they were afraid of the religious authorities. We have to remember that this is very, very shortly after Jesus had been arrested, put on trial, crucified, and had been dead. It's shortly after Jesus had risen from the grave, and it was only 40 days since all of that had taken place. And so they were terrified. They were terrified that the same thing would happen to them. They were terrified that they were coming after them too. And so that is a very, very good reason to be afraid. But I think that they were also afraid for another reason. That's, that's a fear for your life. That's a fear for your, your, your physical safety. But I think in a lot of ways they had another fear. I think that in a lot of ways they were fearful of what was going to happen next to them. Not whether or not the religious authorities would come and arrest them and put them to death, but what were they going to do with their lives now? And I can't help but think that so many of them had to have been this close to packing it up, packing it in, and going home. They had to be thinking, I wonder if I can still get in on the family business. I wonder if Dad will take me back and let me fish again. Because the reality is Jesus was gone. He had come back, and they're like, all right, this is awesome. And then he left again and left them with no direction. I mean, he had told them, I want you to go and do these things. But for three or more years, they had spent their lives following him, physically and literally following him from place to place, doing what he told them to do on a daily basis. He had said that he'd send an advocate, whatever that meant, but the reality was, is they were out in a sea of uncertainty, and they had to have been fearful about what was next for them and in their lives. Because no matter what, they had no idea 
what this was all going to look like. They had no idea really what they were supposed to be doing. They had no idea what direction they were supposed to go or how they were to even begin. And they knew that even if they were going to get out there and try, it simply wouldn't be the same. Jesus was gone. They had no idea what they were going to do. And as I said, they had to have been ready to pack it in go home and try something else. So that's the biblical stage. Today, I've been doing a lot of reading, and two weeks ago, a big study came out. The Pew Research Forum did a big, comprehensive study of the religious landscape of the United States today. How many of you have read about this survey that just came out? A couple of you. Uh, of course, uh, when this, this study came out, when all the newspapers got a hold of it, what was the big headline? America is less religious. Christianity is on the decline. Because the reality is, is that the studies that have come out have shown that there is an approximate 8% drop in the religious life of the American population, I'm sorry, in the Christian religious life of the American population. Christianity has seen an 8% drop in America over the course of the last seven years. And so as a result of this study that's coming out, there's been a, a great deal of hand-wringing going on within the life of the American church. There's been a great deal of hand-wringing going on among uh, people who are thinking deeply about what it means to be a Christian in the United States today. There's been a great deal of hand-wringing going on within the lives of churches as, as we, as, as leaders in churches, are trying to figure out how we move forward. What are we going to do? 8% drop in population over the course of the last seven years. Now, of course, over the past several years, there's been other studies and conversations happening in a, a number of different circles about the spiritual life of millennials. Millennials are the people who are in the generation just below me. I'm at the very tail end of Generation X. And so as the millennials are getting into their 20s and early 30s, there's a lot of studies about their religious life, who they are and what they want out of church and if they want anything out of church. There's been a great deal of studies about the rise of what are called the SBNRs or spiritual but not religious folks, the nuns who have no religious affiliation or the duns who are simply done with church. This same study that came out two weeks ago showed a rise of almost 7% in the American population of people who uh, are categorized in an unaffiliated category, who state a, a religious orientation of either being atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. And as we've been talking about this, there's been a great deal of hand-wringing going on about what this means for us in church and what this means for the, the life of the Christian church because at almost exactly the same rate, 8% decline in Christianity, 7% incline in unaffiliated. Over the course of the past decade, there's been a lot of conversation and wondering and worrying about what to do about soccer on Sunday mornings. And 
this is just a little aside, I will have you know that there are so many other sports that meet and have games and tournaments on Sunday mornings. It's not just soccer, but I think part of it is because soccer is the Johnny-come-lately to the American sports. And so we, we recognize that as something that's new. And as that rises and families are having to make more and more choices about what their families are going to be doing on Sunday mornings, there's been a whole lot of hand-wringing going on. The church is dying, people say. People don't care like they once used to. We cry. Churches are shutting their doors, we point out. We are dying. We are dead. We might as well hang up our pyramids and call it a day. Because the church ain't nothing but a valley of dry bones. And sisters and brothers, the truth is they're kind of right. Kind of. Because as I see it, I do believe that the church that once was is dead. But you know what? That's okay. The church that once was is dead because it was ministering to a culture that once was but no longer is. Because we are in a place today, as so many others of faith who have gone before us were in, in times past. We are in a period of great transition in our world and in our culture. And so the church that we once knew is dead, much like the church that once was in the 1800s is dead, much like the church that once was before the advent of the printing press is dead, much like the church that once was before Jesus left the disciples alone in the upper room, is dead. We are in a period of great cultural transition. And it can look and feel very much so like the death of the church. Because we are still figuring out what that looks like for us and how to be church in this new thing that is becoming. And while we figure that out, there's a lot of pain, and there's a lot of difficulty, and there's a lot of worry, and those are growing pains as we figure out where we are supposed to be and who we are supposed to be. But sisters and brothers, again, as I said, I think that's okay. It's okay. Because even if we look around us and we see a valley of dry bones, you know what those bones are? They are the the basis of our faith. They are what we believe in. And God is going to take those bones those things that are important and right and good, and God is going to take them and build them back into something amazing, and God is going to lay sinew and flesh upon it, and God is going to breathe new life into those bones of faith and life and rebuild the church into something new and something amazing. And it's not going to look like it did 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 150 years ago go, but it is going to be amazing and wonderful and good. 
Jesus told his disciples in, in that wonderful passage from John, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because in a lot of ways, he knew that if he didn't leave, they could not grow. They would have been comfortable to be, remember what we talked about last week with his, the disciples? They would have been comfortable to stay as disciples, just learning and learning and learning and following and learning and following their whole lives. It was to their advantage that he left because he was able to send the Holy Spirit, which would not allow them to remain comfortable simply learning, but instead pushed them out of those doors, sent them out into the streets to do something, to send them out to be apostles, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that they were completely not comfortable with, but they were sent out to do it anyway. And that's the reality of what is happening in this great transition in the life of, of, of culture and the life of the church in America and the church in the world today is God is not going to allow us to remain comfortable in who we have been and what we have done, but instead is going to send that Holy Spirit, going to send the advocate, going to send a breath of new life to push us out of everything that's been comfortable and familiar and out into the world to serve and to share the good news of Jesus Christ in this changing world. And what an amazing thing that is. I'm not saying that it's not going to be hard. We already know that it's hard. We already know that it is painful to see things changing that are so important to us. But sisters and brothers, I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is, is among us. The Holy Spirit is in us, breathing new life into us. Not just the church, but into us taking those bones of faith that we have had since childhood or adulthood or whenever it is that we first heard the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives, taking those bones of faith and building something new and strong and amazing in us, in our church, in our community, and in our world. And then we will be sent out to share, to show, and to be the good news of Jesus Christ to all whom we encounter. Sisters and brothers, uh, in, the, in the wake of these studies that are showing that the religious life and the religious, religious landscape of the United States is changing, there is no better time to celebrate Pentecost. There is no better time to celebrate because we can be reminded that no matter what, God is breathing new life sending a wind of change and a wind of energy and a wind of inspiration to push us out our doors, to push us out of what we are comfortable with and into the world to do God's will, to show God's way, to share God's love and to be God's people. Let us embrace that. Let us give thanks to God for that. And let us celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives this and every day. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, this morning we come to you as children who, who confess that we are afraid. We do not know what the future holds for us or for the church that you have called us to be, and, and we do not know what that looks like, and so we are afraid. 
Gracious God, send us out of this room and into the world. Help us to throw open the doors and be church in new and amazing and unimaginable ways. Give us the courage to try. Give us the courage to fail. Give us the courage to succeed. Give us the courage to follow you in the ways that you will lead us into this new and amazing future. Be within us. Lead us, teach us, guide us. Show us your way each and every day. Amen. Sisters and brothers, this morning I would